Welcome back to Pocket Talk. I'm here with the CEO of the Harris County Houston Sports Authority, Janice Burke. Uh, you, you, it's it's hard to introduce you because you've got so many accolades. But I, I, I was talking to my mom, the only listener of this show, uh, and she's from Argentina, <laughs> and she was like, "What is a sports authority? I have no idea." So if you don't mind, kind of starting there. Good. Uh, yeah. Let's tell your mom yeah, exactly. <laughs> about us. <laughs> um, so we actually were birthed into existence when the Houston Oilers left town um, to become the Tennessee Titans. Okay. And they had been trying to work with the city and county for many years, um, uh, trying to get a new building. And right after they left the Rockets and the Astros started saying, well, you know, we're getting quartered by other cities as well. And and so um, we really ball. need a new building. And yeah. <laughs> and so I, I wasn't around, so I can't take credit for the structure, but I believe um, Mayor Bob Lanier at the time thought, well, we can't be the fourth largest city in the United States. And I think the county uh, officials said, well, we can't be the third largest county and not have professional sports teams. So we need to figure this out. And um, went to the state uh, legislators and um, came up with this uh, sports venue district where we collect hotel and car rental taxes mm -hmm. so that um, the the burden wouldn't be on the local citizens. It would be mostly on the visitors that are coming in, mm -hmm. renting hotels and and renting cars. And so that was a structure, but then it was given back to the local community. And so the city and county really appoint our board members. Okay. And then um, together the city and county choose our chairman. And so from the beginning, we've been the citizens organization really. Um, mm -hmm. And we oversaw the, um, the bond debt service, construction of the buildings. And then we started to morph into a sports marketing agency Oliver Luck, you know, kind yeah. of saw that that was happening around the country, that there were specialized groups that were working on just going out and soliciting sports um, for their for their destinations. He then had, you know, taken the position at the Dynamo and um, was the president of the Dynamo, and they did a national search. And that's where I came in, because my background was helping cities brand and market themselves. And, um, and so anyway, I yeah. saw this great opportunity and these wonderful venues that were built i mean i thought wow yeah. for a city to to be able to build three in just a couple of years time it's amazing absolutely and, well, um, and so you were and you were in detroit moved to houston mm -hmm. so explain why houston is so much better than detroit uh, <laughs> <laughs> well and i had kind of moved around the country so i started in detroit in the hospitality industry and ben was um lured away by our Convention and Visitors Bureau um, to kind of help sell um, Detroit, which wasn't an easy sell. You know, our <laughs> phone didn't ring off the hook. We were yeah. um, we were scratching and fighting for every piece of business. And then from there, I was called to Hershey-Harrisburg area, okay. um, yeah. which was a five-county region trying to work together, very distinct. You had Harrisburg as the capital, and you had Hershey, and which was more of a... Uh, kind of a tourist destination and then you had kind of these rural areas and they were wanting to put their tax dollars together mm -hmm. but then kind of how do they how do we brand ourselves when we're so different mm -hmm. and so they um they called me and i became the ceo of their organization and then i was um recruited to go to san antonio with their convention of visitors, visitors bureau before houston called Okay. Yeah. So quite, quite the the journey. Yes. Or, or, as, or how does some people put it? Like you got to Texas as fast as you could. Yes, uh, and I love it. So <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I, honestly, I you you hit on something before we started, and to me, it's the most important thing that sports does, which is it breaks barriers, it builds community, uh, it you know, 
fosters uh, a semblance of belonging when, you know, when there's a lot of diversity and in Houston, there's a ton of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm curious, given your 16, almost 17 years here uh, and as a sports authority, would you remember some moments that really made you feel that sense of community while, uh, while being, you know, in this position in Houston? Yeah. I mean, I think, as you said, it breaks down barriers and look at right after the hurricane and we had the World Series run and mm-hmm. you've got people um, in the street, perfect strangers, high-fiving each other or just, yeah. you know, because you're, you've, you've got this momentum of we're all kind of coming together and rooting for our team. Mm-hmm. Or if you're the athlete on the field, um, it doesn't matter what your background or mm-hmm. what your religious belief or what color your skin is. If you're a good player, that team gels and that team was working together. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's what I love about sports. And um, a couple of things come to mind when I first arrived in town. I remember we we had just won the boxing trials. So we were going to do the Olympic trials mm-hmm. for and pick the USA team um, that was going to go on to the Olympics. And so we were trying to be, get out into the community and just let the community know so that we could sell tickets. And so I kind of had that marketing hat on, right, mm-hmm. of let's get this, you know, to be a, an event that everybody knows about. And I said to USA Boxing, well, is there anybody in town that, you know, that could win this that mm-hmm. you know that's from Houston they said well there's a one you know young gentleman and he's a he's a lightweight but you know he's he's won some national titles and good give me his number give me yeah. his um his contact information and so I got in touch with him and over that few week period of just trying to go go around and we were on radio stations and television stations mm-hmm. and he threw out the first pitch at an Astros game and just trying to um market the event itself and getting our community to rally behind um, this young boxer, I got to know his family and his story and realized that his family had never gone to see him at a national um, uh, event because they didn't really have the money to, for all of them to fly and go and cheer him on. And, um, and so they would pull their money together and get him on a plane with the coach so that he could compete. And when I heard that, I said, well, let's get some ringside tables and make sure his family is there. And, mm-hmm. and sure enough, um, that's what we did. And we had some corporate support to do that. And every time he was in the ring and his family would start cheering, I mean, he would just start winning and he was winning all of his <laughs> rounds. And we were getting to the very end. And I remember his dad calling me on the way to the last, uh, the last, uh, round that we were doing. And he said, are you nervous? And I said, oh yeah, I always get nervous. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about boxing. I mean, it was like one of those where you're, I'm kind of on the sidelines going, is he doing well? Right. I don't want him to get knocked out. And, and his coach be like, yes, he's doing fine. You know, and, yeah. and we'd be standing there. And then, um, and, and then when he was done, he would spit in the bucket, which was so gross. And, you know, that's what those boxers <laughs> do. And then he would run down, talk to his coach. But the next thing he would do all sweaty and everything, I'm in my suit. He'd come over and wrap his arms around me That's right awesome. so we became kind of this he, i was like his <laughs> second mom yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and um and so um he ended up uh tying and so we had to go into the next day we had to have an extra um boxing round or mm-hmm. or a match and we hadn't planned on that. You know, we had all the media ready to go. We were going to announce the team and everything. But here we have to go into the next day. And I'll never forget again, his dad called me and said, I just want you to know 
that what you've done for our family is something that we could have never imagined. And when Highland, when I, his name was Highland. When mm-hmm. Highland was growing up, I used to tell him, just keep working hard, stay focused. And he said, um, and now he's been offered a scholarship, a college scholarship, and he's been offered so many um, um, open doors have yeah. come to him and offered so many things that could have never happened. And it's because of you, you helped, you helped um, change so the trajectory of his life and open these doors. Well, I really didn't. It was Highland's work that did it right. right. But just pairing up and caring enough um, and becoming a good partner. Mm-hmm. And I think what I realized in that moment, and this was really early on, was that sports can actually change someone's life. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I said, every event we do, we want to connect with our community. Let's use sports to be that life-changing agent, whether it's through scholarships, whether it's through a big mega event that we have money left over and we can go in and create a park for kids that need it or a soccer field where kids desperately want to play, but there's no green space where they live. Mm -hmm. Um, So every event we do, we connect to our community in a real way. And I think that's... um, that's what's so special about this job. You're not just bidding for and putting on a great events. You're also trying to connect how, um, how can I make our community better because mm-hmm. this event is coming? How can I touch lives through it? That's so powerful. You mentioned you, you were working in hospitality. Uh, yes, there's, there's like experiential hospitable things that, that happen in sports, but how did, how did sports change you over the last few years? Um, I think, yeah, because in hospitality or, you know, selling a hotel or selling a city for conventions and tourists, um, was really fun. I got to use that creative side, you know, Mm -hmm. my right brain, um, um, for figuring out how to brand and market ourselves, put ourselves on the map, whatever city I was in. And and sports was always a part of it, Mm -hmm. but to be able to come here and focus just on sports, it's really been life changing for me too. As I look back over my career, you know, we did the transplant games. I didn't even know what the transplant games were, but um, our medical community came to me and said, "Um, can we have a meeting? We just want to talk to you about bidding for this. You know how to bid for events. We don't, but it's really important to us. And so we had a two-hour meeting, and um, I looked at it, and I said, wow, this is amazing as you look at kind of some of the numbers. We're a really large state. Texas Mm -hmm. is one of the largest. We have the world's largest medical center right here in our backyard. But yet we're second to last on the Texas donor registry in the U.S. Um, I had no idea. And so how can we maybe use this event to not just spread the good word um, about, you know, you can have a life after a a transplant, heart, Mm -hmm. lung, kidney, whatever it is, um, and you can have something to look forward to. Um, but but how do we also use that event to change um, just recognizing that we as donors, if we sign up, we could we could we could save someone's life. We're mm-hmm. gone, right? And our organs could save someone's life. And so we use that event um, and the messaging and the platform. And we went from two million at the time, to it's well over 12 million. I haven't looked at it in a long time because um, um, that was a few years back. But yeah. now we're, you know, just millions of, of more donors and using a sporting event, you know, to actually save lives. It was amazing. Yeah. No, it's, it's so actionable, right? Because I feel like a lot of people, we were talking about this, 
a lot of people come in with goals and and ambitions in a certain field and it just gets broad or you get scope creep or you know it, it kind of starts delineating from what you set out to to accomplish um I love that you've been able to use, you know, your position sports or, or the resources of Houston with within the sports authority to be able to combine sports and, and affect real actionable change. Yeah. Is, is there uh, you mentioned, you know, the medical center being a, a big resource in Houston. Is, is there other things? I know that arts and culture are becoming more prominent in what you guys are doing. Yeah. And I love the art side of it. Right. Because I think arts and culture um, kind of create um a footprint for what your city is kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it, it, it kind of reflects. Mm-hmm. Um, so your sports teams and how you react as fans or how you treat the athletes or how you um, just welcome visitors, you know, when you're, mm-hmm. when it is an all-star game and all these visitors are coming to your city. So, um, and then the art side of it is also the fabric of Houston and it just, it speaks so much to who we are. So I like combining the two. Mm-hmm. We did the um, art of soccer, as you know, right. um, with all the soccer balls. And that was during a time when, you know, everything was shut down. COVID, you know, um, pretty much stopped all sports. Our artists in town, you know, weren't, they didn't have work. Right. No one was Less commissioning patients, them. Yeah. And so we kind of came up with this idea, look, we can put our artists back to work. Um, and at the same time, we can start to prepare because at some point this pandemic will be over. FIFA will come in for a site visit and we could have soccer balls all over our city yeah. and, and everywhere they look, they could see this. Um, and so it was a really fun project to work on and to, uh, and it will continue. We're going to do it all the way through to the end and just have soccer balls everywhere. But, <laughs> um, but that, that is a really fun way to kind of, um, combine the two. We do mm-hmm. things with, um, we've done things with the symphony at our Houston sports awards. Uh, we have, we're, we're working on an event right now, um, for action sports, some of those mm-hmm. street sports, like double Dutch jump rope and the freestyle biking, you yeah, know, with yeah. the bowls where they jump in the, in the skateboarding, street skateboarding. And we're, we want to do that and we want to create for the jump ropers, for instance, this 3D chalk art maybe around mm-hmm. it, and that becomes the stage for them to do their um, their jump roping. And maybe we have a symphony with break dancers, you know. Yeah, and yeah. we're just trying to create this really cool action and arts um, festival, That's and so we're really excited. Behind the scenes, we're working. We've yeah. been working on that for for a little over a year. Well, first of all, you're more than welcome to put a soccer ball in my front yard, <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, Oak Forest will represent that. Okay. The, um, I, I, the, the first thought, the question that came to my mind as you were saying that is like, what's been the quirkiest, most eccentric, maybe even ambitious combination of leveraging sports to engage in industry or uh, a facet of life that you're like, I would have never thought of this. Um, well, one that comes to mind is uh, table tennis. Okay. So I get this call from the United States uh, Olympic and Paralympic Committee, and they said, Janice, we would really like for you to bid for table tennis. And I'm like, what year? And they said, well, we'd like to do it in 2021. I'm looking at the calendar. We're already jam-packed. We've got Junior Olympics. and mm-hmm. I mean, we just had all these events. And so I said, gosh, that's going to be really tough. Um, they said, it's, it's really important. I said, what about 22 or 23? Let's go after it. And they said, we really want 21. It's the 50-year anniversary of ping-pong diplomacy. Um, we think of anybody in the United States, Houston could pull it off. Yeah. It's never been held outside of Europe or Asia, never been in the United States ever. Wow. 
and we think um, your city could do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's important to you, we'll see if we can make this work. So we found um, some space in the convention center. It, it was a long period, so it was hard to find the space. Um, worked really hard with um, table tennis, and now I'm all in. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna we're gonna win this. So You've learned all the rules. Yes. So I ended up um, getting in touch with Yao Ming. Mm-hmm. Got in touch with the Chinese because um, in in China, if you go there. It's amazing. It's 20,000 screaming fans like going to one of our NBA games, you know, of everybody watching um, table tennis. Yeah. And it's really exciting and it's really fun. And and I, I kind of like, wow, this is it was eye opening, right? Because yeah. it's not such a big sport in our um, in our country. I mean, mm-hmm. people have ping pong tables, <laughs> as we call them. Um, it's but more they, like a hobby. It's like, like a right. hobby. Right. <laughs> um, so. So we get in touch with China and we said, why don't we do a reception? You guys bid for 22. We'll bid for 21. We'll support each other. Mm -hmm. And let's do a reception together. Let's have some of those athletes that are still alive that went 50 years ago into China. Um, Let's have them come and be part of our reception. They're like, this is a great idea. Yes, we love it. And so we ended up doing it. Yao endorsed both of our bids, (laughs) which was a really fun connection. Um, And and because Yao played at the Toyota Center, which is where we were proposing to do the finals, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it just made it for a great connection. Then I called... um, uh, President Nixon's grandson mm-hmm. um, and said, hey, what do you think about hopping on a plane and going to Budapest with us and helping us sell um, this whole idea of them coming to the United States for the first time? Yeah. And he loved it. So he ended up coming with us. And anyway, big, um, big story that we did this reception together with China. And at the, the next day, we give our presentations and the votes start coming in and they start announcing for each year what cities, you know, have won. Mm -hmm. And when we won, China is high fiving us and we're (laughs) hugging and we're celebrating. We go on stage, we get our, you know, we we get our geopolitical conflicts. Yeah. (laughs) Then we come down and then China wins and we do the same thing. Mm. And well, it makes it in the newspapers, front page news all Mm. over China. Um, look at the United States and China, you know, they're like, yeah. they're, uh, they're partners and cheering for each other, which was really cool. Well, then of course, COVID hit our Chinese, um, you know, council general office closed down. Um, we couldn't host the world championships. So, um, time goes by and it starts getting later and later in the year and things start to open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the USOPC called and said, let's look at this again because it's still the 50 year anniversary just because we didn't do it in the spring or summer. Could we still pull it off? And so we did it over Thanksgiving and still pulled it off. But I'm getting to the point of the story of your question. I could have never imagined what ping pong diplomacy meant to so many of our Asian community, Mm -hmm. uh, people in our, in our uh, Chinese, especially community. Um, we did a ping pong diplomacy dinner and everybody came and it was um, it was a really fun celebration. But I had Chinese Americans with tears in their eyes who live right here in Houston coming up to me and saying, you don't understand. Without ping pong diplomacy, I wouldn't be living here today. And um, that's what sports did for a whole country. Right. Um, or for two whole countries, right, yeah. right? Um, to create this kind of friendship. And so um, it was it was really special. And I think through that event that I would have never dreamed that, yeah. you know, 
wasn't even sure we were going to bid for it. Um, but through that event, all of these really monumental um, memories were created. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, I, I know we're talking a lot about the past, but there's a lot of exciting things coming up in the future, right? Especially for, for Houston. Do you want to touch on, on some of those and, and how those came about to be? Yeah, I think a lot of times people in the community say, well, how does the NCAA men's final four come? Do they just right. like coming here and they put us on rotation? Well, the answer is no. There's a fierce competition and a bidding um, mm-hmm. cycle that happens and a whole process. Um, because with each one of these events, there's a lot of legal things you have to work through. There's a lot of um, dates mm-hmm. you have to, you know, um, calendar, you know, things that have to uh, be looked at to make sure it fits and financials and mm-hmm. all of this. Um, but so um, a lot of years go into that and a lot of planning. But I will say I'm super proud because one of our goals when I came to town was let's have a, at least one really mega major event a year. And then we can fill in with all of the other really special events. Um, so we have in 2023 men's final four Mm -hmm. in 2024, we have, um, the college football playoffs, 25 AAU junior Olympics, where you'll have 15,000 athletes between the ages of five and 18, you know, descending upon our city. And then of course, in 2026, the big win, um, probably the largest, uh, sporting event, um, that I've ever worked on Mm -hmm. and clearly the largest event that Houston will ever host and that's world cup. So, yeah. And and so in those moments, as you're, as you're planning this out, like, do you, do you get nervous? Do you feel like, okay, no, we've got a good plan. We're, we're good. We're good to go. Uh, do you, you know, in the heat of battle in the competition, do you, 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 you find yourself thinking things you're like, all right, I need to, I need to step back a little bit or is it a, well, I always go in thinking we're going to win, yeah. um, and give it my all and put a strategy behind it that kind of tells our story. Um, and so, um, do I get nervous? Yes. Um, because you put so much in the in the case with World Cup, I'd worked for a decade on that. Mm-hmm. I knew that Houston wasn't at the table the last time World Cup was in the United States. I knew that the United States was going to bid again. Yeah. It was a matter of time. And I knew that Dallas, you know, had a really strong relationship still with FIFA. They were their media, the international media center, um, you know, Mm-hmm. Once you host events like that, you just kind of stay in touch with all of those people and you're well known, you know, in that world. And so I knew we had some some work ahead of us. And um, for 10 years, we bid for everything we could that was soccer related. We did an, every international friendly mm-hmm. Gold Cup, Copa at America. I mean, every, everything we could get our hands on to show. And it didn't matter if it was a hard sell and we had to, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, we're working really hard to make sure that the stadium was full or it was an easy sell, you know, yeah. uh, if it was, you know, um, Manchester, you know, coming, right. right? So we just wanted to make sure that the world knew who we were. And so we worked on that um, year after year. Mm-hmm. And um, and Jamie Roots and uh, David Fletcher and, I mean, all of those at the Texans when we did those big mega events mm-hmm. and with Jamie's experience um, in soccer, we just, we, we were really excited for the bid cycle this time to come around. Yeah. And we felt like we had made enough of a reputation that we put on really good sporting events Mm -hmm. and that we have avid fans and we have great facilities. So we felt like, okay, we'll at least make it in that first round. And, um, and we did. And when the final bid book went into FIFA, there were 17 U S cities when we knew that it had to be pared down to 10. They ended up picking 
little bit more. But so yeah, for for many years. And once that bid book went in, I thought to myself, okay, now I need a real strategy because for the next year, I thought it was going to be a year. Mm -hmm. Who knew that it would be COVID and be three and a half years? (laughs) (laughs) That I need somebody that just gets up every single day thinking about soccer and Mm -hmm. somebody who's been part of that soccer world that can kind of help us. um, And so we can push this to the finish line. And that's when I went to Chris Canetti and said, would you join our team? Would you leave your post? with the dynamo and dash and and yeah. come join us and he did i'm so thankful mm-hmm. he's he did a wonderful job and he got us to that finish line and together i mean i think the two of us i don't think slept the night before yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and um we we felt confident but yeah. yet we weren't and um <laughs> and, and then when they made the announcement and they went you know uh kansas city dallas and then went wait over to atlanta we we looked at each other like for a minute our hearts dropped yeah um, I thought for sure they would have told you guys ahead of time. And no, that, like, we had no out, idea. But, I mean, with as high as y'all leapt, <laughs> you could tell that it was a completely kept secret. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was really. Um, so that was a great day, uh, a great victory for our city. And like yeah. I said, the largest sporting event in the world um, coming here to Houston. Uh, it be fantastic. Fantastic. So so let's let's close with this. Uh why why do you think the the final four college football players fifa all these major the junior olympics all these major organizations where they used to kind of i mean houston wasn't even in consideration 20 years ago now is being selected over and over again what do you think is the reason that they are selecting houston well number one we have great venues and so i really commend the citizens again i wasn't around Mm -hmm. um i i just got to come when they were the buildings were already built but um the voters here and the citizens um said yes we we want to keep our teams and they built these beautiful new stadiums Mm -hmm. without them we wouldn't not be able to attract um the business that we are attracting (laughs) number two um we have great fans it doesn't matter whether it's cricket or table tennis or uh, rugby, you know, um, we just have such an international flair to our city that we, the people come and they buy the tickets and they turn out because everybody loves a certain sport. Mm-hmm. And and so that makes it fun for us um, and for the the events rights holders that, that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And then um, the the volunteerism here in Houston and the philanthropic attitude that Houstonians have yeah. really helps us put even um, a, a bigger f- uh, fingerprint on that event, I um, of that. which so is really, really special. So um, between all of the volunteers, I mean, NFL will tell you that we had more volunteers than they've ever had. And that was a a turning point for them as they realized how much, what a difference that makes um, to, to welcome people to your city. Um, I think as you look at just, you know, the, the way that our community comes together, it doesn't matter, you know, again, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter what venue it is. And we all work together. And that's really unusual, too, when you look at the team presidents and the team owners and how they all interact. Um, mm-hmm. In a lot of cities, that doesn't happen. And so there's lots of reasons. Um, and I think the Sports Authority, we have a great team here. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't um, I can't tell you how proud I am of the team that has been built here that just works hard every single day yeah. to bring uh, great sporting events yeah. to Houston. Well, usually when people say describe their their like competitive edge as our people, it's usually kind of like farcical or, or superficial. The way you've described it is truly like impactful. I mean, deep. I, I think one of the things that I've noticed again and again in my discussions with people around Houston and in sports is that 
diversity can can be something that's combative at times and Houston does such a good job and unanimously across the people that we've talked to they kind of describe this this ability to t- tap into diversity in a very impactful real way right uh, that's I think relatively unique in the world uh, which is which is pretty neat yeah and I think it's very genuine it's yeah. it's organic and um, and I think that comes across to anybody that we're selling to um, yeah. that and they want to come here. And yeah. then of course your victories just kind of, uh, it's, it snowballs and, and people see all of the, the wonderful events you do and how well you organize them and how, you know, right down to our police force and, and, um, and the city with, uh, their events, special events team. Mm-hmm. And we all just kind of pull together and pull our resources together in our knowledge. And, um, the events just run so smoothly that I think, I think a lot of times, these big mega events wish they could come every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, I lied. I have one other question. Okay. Uh, I'm curious if we answer it. You've you've dealt a lot with athletes, uh, obviously through the, through these years. Mm-hmm. Who was the worst behaved athlete and why? Oh goodness, um, I don't know if I've had any worst. You know, usually <laughs> the the athletes I'm working with um, are pretty humble, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, they're usually pretty. Um, they're, they're usually pretty excited about what we're doing. <laughs> and if we ask them for their help or, hey, can you do a social media post just to get pe- get the community excited about whatever we're bidding on, mm-hmm. they're usually they're usually really gracious and, and kind enough to do it. So Good, good. Yeah. Well, I guess there's a vetting process. Uh, so by the time they get to you, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Janice. I know it's been an arduous week, uh, both physically, emotionally, uh, and taxing. But uh, thank you for yeah. taking the time giving us a little glimpse into what it takes to, to bring these events to Houston and kind of promoting what, what Houston brings to the table for future events. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a great ride, and I look forward to all the other events that we're going to bring to Houston and work together with everybody. So thank you. Thank you.